You're listening to the Fantasy Wildcard Podcast. Yes, hello everybody and welcome back into the Fantasy Wildcard Dynasty Show. I'm Mags, I'll be your host this evening. You can find me over next at Hot Seat Mags. We've got the best two from the Fantasy Wildcard team with us here today. I'm joined by my co-host today, Ali. You can find him over at FF Dynasty Grill. Ali, good to see you, mate. How you doing? Yeah, good evening, Max. Yeah, doing really good. Thanks, mate. Um, it was uh, good to watch Championship Weekend as a as a neutral. And obviously, you've got a bit of a smile on your face. And there's Patrick Mahomes popping up on screen. Um, so, yeah, I guess you're a bit happier than me probably about that. But um, yeah, doing doing really good. We are into rookie season. The senior bowl has begun, which is um, it's it's the really hype exciting. Has started. The hype has absolutely started. I've already posted two Lad McConkey videos already. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's exciting times, and we've got a great guest coming up. So can't wait. Mags, how you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm doing really good. Good to be back. Obviously missed last week, but you know, feeling fighting fit and and ready to go again this evening and you know super pumped up because we got an amazing guest on the show today we've got the host of rotoviz overtime and the executive producer over at rotoviz radio fellow irishman too we got colin kenny kelly welcome to the show mate how are you i'm doing good guys uh thanks for having me on excited to, to talk some ball here and I can't say that I was excited to watch Championship Weekend as a neutral being a, a Packers fan. It did sting a little bit. Um, but yeah, the 49ers pr- pretty much repeated the script again and <laughs> came back to, to win late on. So was a bit bittersweet this week watching those games. But uh, yeah, I did. I, I thought the Chiefs would go in and win in Baltimore. So I, I was kind of happy with my predictions and how I thought the games would play out. So it was an interesting weekend. We're, we're set up for a a rematch in the Super Bowl, but a very different contest from what's there on the, the 49ers side. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And Kev, Kev not with us today. Just like the Six Nations, this is going to be an Irish dominant show. So we're going to look forward to that. And <laughs> we hope so. We're going, to, we're going to chat a little bit about some, some dynasty values today. We're going to look at some value winners, some value losers, and maybe the implications of that. Maybe a value loser isn't necessarily a loser for, for your dynasty team. So We'll dig into that as we go. And we're going to kick things off. Colm, you're going to steer us through some of your dynasty value winners. So who are you going with, first of all? I'm going with Jordan Love here. And uh, sometimes when we're at the quarterback position, it can be tricky to truly say who's a a winner or a loser at the position over the course of a season, particularly in dynasty, because, you know, the age profiles, we see a lot more veteran quarterbacks have success and we have kind of gone through a transition over the last probably five years or so. Some of the, the high-end veterans like a Drew Brees, Tom Brady, and so on have all retired. But I do think we are, you know, sometimes you can have a worry as to how the league is going to develop and then how things will develop for fantasy football. But with guys like CJ Stroud, Jordan Love progressing this season, I think we're set up pretty well to continue that era. And we see sometimes with wide receivers and so on as well, it looks like things are fading out and you know high scoring players might start to fade out of the league but then we see players come in and, and rectify that at the position that can be harder with quarterback so jordan love i think a lot of questions coming into the season could he live up to i won't even say hype there wasn't really any hype it was a case could he live up to Aaron Rodgers being traded and him being the successor 
and there are you know if we look back to when he was drafted obviously it was just complete scrutiny of the Packers organization and what they did there but over the last couple of years I do think that Arn Rodgers gets a lot of stick I'm a Packers fan I'm an Arn Rodgers fan so I don't give him much stick but I can see why he gets a lot of it but in terms of what he did to set Jordan Love up for success here I think he really took that veteran approach and did share the information we often see quarterbacks and it's not their job and it really wasn't Rogers job because he had every right to be annoyed and he went on and had two MVP seasons after that was straight so it has worked out for the Packers in that sense although they haven't won the biggest prize but this one now with Jordan Love I think that he has stepped in and really started to uh, even like for Packers fans who had optimism that things might work out I don't think anyone had optimism that it would look this good this quick the main part of it being you know, obviously you get into situations with early season struggles. The The most impressive part of this is there's so many young players that he's doing this with, similar to CJ Stroud, I guess. Um, and I think this Packers offense can only really get better from where they've gone over the last kind of six, eight weeks. But for example, over the course of the latter half of the season from week 11 onwards, he was a quarterback one 88% of the time. And he was a quarterback two in that other game. But you know he, he was among the highest scorers in the entire league and that was not something we were expecting coming in we expected the team to have struggles we expected him to have struggles because basically it is his, his rookie starting campaign but i have been been blown away with what he has been able to do in that time and i feel like we are i won't say we're at the floor but we're kind of only halfway up the building at this point you know the ceiling is still much higher and i'm I'm excited for what's to come. So if you have Jordan Love, you probably acquired him either as a rookie or at a very low cost, and you have really gained this season because I feel even people who may say that it's not going to continue, I, I think you have to be rating him as a, a top 12 quarterback going forward here. Oh, 100%. And I'm not one of the guys that picked up Jordan Love, that traded for Jordan Love, or drafted trade uh, Jordan Love because... I, I'm a Packers fan. I have... Not, I have no Jordan Love either. <laughs> I mean, it's not to say that I didn't, I didn't rate Jordan Love. I thought he was, he was fine. I thought it was a pivotal year for him this year to follow up what Aaron Rodgers has obviously done over his career. And just from a team in the NFC, it's just annoying that the Packers have found another good quarterback straight after Aaron Rodgers, like they did with Brett Favre. Um, I will say the one thing to push back on, not particularly, but this is a bit more like uh, setting up your dynasty rosters from a strategic point of view. You know, a lot of times the reason when you try and go to trade for a quarterback who is a star in fantasy, they're also a star in the NFL, obviously, but you're trying to get them on your roster at a price that you can then gain value from. But when you're going out to trade for somebody who has already hit, that's very, very tough. And that's, you know, the Packers did find a quarterback. But they also have drafted both of those quarterbacks in the you know basically in the first round they've also sat them behind a legendary quarterback for multiple years they you know so they find it but they have also like jordan love was not this when they drafted him um so I, I think as well with managing your fantasy rosters it's very important to you know try and get those players when they're at the ground floor and then they ascend because we we see that every year at all positions less so at quarterback but um it's important to sometimes take those shots on players that are a third round value uh, and then and then have them on the roster when they're worth a force to move on yeah yeah exactly that and what he's been able to do i mean you touched on it there with such young receivers and a reason why i did i did doubt him because of nearly all of his weapons bar 
say Aaron Jones were just so young, including both tight ends were, were so young. I just thought it's going to take a year to sort of grow together in that offense. But what we saw second half of the season was was incredible. And I really like the wide receivers they've got there. A lot of them haven't got great draft capital. And you kind of wonder whether they helped out Jordan Love or whether he was the one that really raised their game. And I have to think that Jordan Love has is, is really grown into a great real-life NFL quarterback as well as as well as well fantasy now. His ceiling is, is really there. Um, and he's now, he, he has to be, I mean, I've got a list of about 15, 16 quarterbacks that I feel good about in, in Dynasty and the rest have got question marks about them. But Jordan Love is firmly in that top 15 now. So he's a great, a great Dynasty asset to have. Yep, absolutely agree with both of you guys saying that. Jordan Love, I mean, Colm, you've probably seen it coming more than us, but I didn't. I did not see this coming out of Jordan Love. It, it, came, it, it really came on quick over that second half of the season because yeah. there was a lot of frustration for me in the early part, both because there were young players he was playing with. There was a lot of, see some of the deep completions that have happened recently. Those just weren't being completed and they were being missed mm-hmm. by maybe only two or three yards, but the, the time and the connection and so on wasn't there. It was very hard to know was it the offense was it the quarterback was it the you know offensive players there was times you know week six week seven that some of these young packers wide receivers were running into each other on routes and things like you know it was (laughs) not good so it's a combination of a lot of things coming together which is what makes it very exciting moving forward yeah absolutely yeah i like that the fact that he's tied to so many young young weapons with receivers and even those young tight ends have looked fantastic so yeah jordan love going forward they, they don't get talked about enough especially for they dynasty because they, they aren't very expensive at the moment and it can be tricky when there's two players and that's what's gonna be difficult to decipher on the packers moving forward is they have a number of wide receivers which one do you want they have a mm-hmm. number of tight ends which one do you want but those two tight ends are you know we talk about the draft the nfl draft when people mm. talk about like athletic freaks and so on like they are freakish athletes yeah. and they have both proven it as rookies and um, so i would be interested in both of them moving forward too yeah and mm. from one mention of a freakish athlete to the next you've got a running back listed as as one of your you know dynasty value upgrades at the minute a guy that's just so great and and even come on a little bit more in the playoffs right you got jameer gibbs to talk about who's looked just great this one is a bit tricky because you know coming in as a rookie prospect you know he's in the conversation at the top end of the rookie draft so it's hard to say some players have you know ascendant value even at that and also he's in a situation where he is a veteran but still talented run back who the treat and trusts a lot in david montgomery but the i would use the word electricity when jameer gibbs has the ball the thing that impresses me the most of them is there's not many players who can go from like standing to their top speed you know on some of these cuts and it's his acceleration that is just different we've seen that again this week in the, the playoffs we've seen it consistently the, the only thing holding him back i think at the moment is that david montgomery is there and he's not getting you know 70 percent of the work on a weekly basis and he's not getting as much in the receiving game maybe as he could because of maybe a on ross st brown getting some of those shorter targets it is a stacked offense now but with stacked offenses, you get more opportunities in the red zone, and, and that could come for Gibbs next season. And you also don't want to factor in potential injuries. But you know, if anything was to happen to Montgomery, Gibbs just goes through the roof. But this yeah. season again, even with that, you know, pressure around him, four touches, four targets, he was a running back one over the course of the entire season, forty percent of the time. You know, he has performed every single 
opportunity really that he's been given. And I, and I think, you know, we're looking at games here like Baltimore week seven, you know, nearly 30 points, nearly 30 points the following week against Las Vegas, 26 points then in week 10. Just amazing product, like week winning production. And sometimes yeah. with that sort of production, it's not a case that, you know, there'll be weeks then where there is downside. But if you have a running back putting up 25 plus points in a week, that is just massive. Even if it's not, you know, every single week he done that this season uh on four occasions and he was a 24.8 on another one so it's just uh you know to see a rookie doing that in a powerful offense is extremely exciting and i think that we're only getting started with gibbs the other player that i do want to give a shout out to is rashad white because i think he is a true person whose value did increase significantly yeah. and he just throughout the course of the season and the first six weeks he really struggled but post that he he really pushed on and i i think out of all the running backs that would have been less expensive to acquire um he, he really impressed me in that second half of the season i love love both of those names for for maybe different different reasons we kind of spoke about what does value mean for certain players i think for jameer gibbs his value is skyrocketed up and you can use that to plug into your teams every week rashad white we might touch on later I think his value is rocketed up, and now's your chance to probably sell him. Sorry, Alec. Yep. That's what I'm probably thinking. His value is higher than perhaps it is. There are some underlying statistical anomalies yep. as to how well he performed, I'll say. Uh, but just in terms of, of Jameer Gibbs, I've loved what I've seen in the playoffs from the Lions. It looks like they sort of let him off the leash a little bit, right? And said, right, go do this. They let him take a couple of more risks weren't worried about him getting banged up as much, and we really seen what a difference maker Jameer Gibbs can be. I think they're going to stay with David Montgomery. He's going to continue to pound the ball on the goal line, but I think what you might see more is is Gibbs getting more of that work up and around then. And also to take into account, teams are going to be looking out for Sam Laporta now, whereas they weren't really this year. We've seen how well Sam Laporta did over the middle. People are going to be you know, keen to that now and keep an eye for Sam Laporta. I think they Look, were keen to it this it? year. I think they were keen to it this year, yeah. but you just cannot cover. Hmm. Yeah. I, I'll say the second greatest tight end of all time. We have to give Kelsey his flowers after the last two weeks, but uh, <laughs> Laporta is just, he's different. He is unbelievable. I think he is that good that people will maybe start to like scheme and plan around him. Sure, they might not be able to do anything, but I wonder if that opens up more opportunities for Gibbs with those over-the-top passes. All theoretical, but I think yeah, you're right, Colm. I could have said it better myself. Just, just when we're recording this, right? The the one thing to mention on that is the offensive coordinator had been heavily linked with the Washington Commanders job, and he yeah. has said that he is staying mm. uh, for Crazy. next season. So that was yeah. something that I wasn't factoring in. So for all the Detroit players, that consistency and continuity is going to be massive for next year. Yeah, I I couldn't believe that when I read that today. I thought mm. he was for sure going to be going everywhere, anywhere else but yeah staying another year with dan campbell and the detroit lions which is great for jameer gibbs great for all of these prospects so yeah absolutely love that jameer gibbs value rising rashad white value rising too but yeah for I different would reasons i would yeah it's his yards per carry it's the amount of target share he had i would use this opportunity to sell ali you're the buck son i gotta let you weigh in on it what are you doing with rashad white are you selling him now his values this high or are you just like no he's my guy uh, no, no, it was only based my my love for Rashad White was based on his his uh, the fact that he was being drafted in the twenties and that was you know for the workload that he was guaranteed to get then it yeah. it was nowhere near so for me he's definitely on the side of the sale this off season you know we don't know who our offensive coordinator is going to be we don't even know who our quarterback is going to be I mean it's probably going to be Baker Mayfield but 
until it's official. There's a, there could know. be a lot of flux. Um, but yeah. the other thing just with White is like when we're looking at from a dynasty perspective is uh, he is just after turning 25. But, you know, the window starts to really close for a running back, you know, moving forward. And really, mm-hmm. we have seen one year of what we kind of hope that may happen when he was coming out of college. He's been in the league for a number of years. And anytime there's been any, I guess, capable running backs with him, he hasn't been able to factor in that. And I really do think that he impressed in a number of ways this year in games where he didn't get the PPR work. He he did you know, do it on the ground and he got in the end zone consistently. But the one thing I would say is if those passes and targets did go down, it's a mm-hmm. completely different story. So I feel like if you had him, he's really in the range now where I would be both by age and by the increase in value there. I think there's a market to move him. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree. And, Moving on from from running back to to wide receiver, Colm, I'm not sure you should have said you were a Packers fan at the start here because you're going back <laughs> to the well here. You're going to well, to be honest, you could have picked one of three like amazing <laughs> Packers wide receivers here. You've gone with Jaden Reed, who is becoming a bit of a dynasty darling, is he? I think he probably will. I think the one thing that may keep it down is the playoff performances that were non-existent, and uh, <laughs> also we had a situation where um, you know entering the season. He was not the prime target and now exiting the season with Romeo Dobbs and a couple of performances. And I talked about, you know, having two tight ends that might lower the value of those guys, but also the, mm-hmm. you know, the conversation. There's going to be people in the dynasty community that still are on Chris, Christian Watson. There's going to be people on Dobbs. There, yeah. there, it's going to be spread around. People are, there's going to be some people down there on like Dontavian Wicks, who, you know, some numbers mm-hmm. go around on Twitter over today, you know, in terms of his route running percentages of getting free and things like that so people are going to get excited for a number of players and that may keep the value down but when we're looking at a, somebody coming into the season who could have been acquired cheaply you know a pick who people thought was probably a mistake by the packers as a player for what he has actually done and achieved over the course of the 18 week season if we discount the playoffs and recency bias is a big thing people will factor that in but i have to say that he has outperformed all expectations and his value is significantly better than it was, you know, eight months ago. Yeah. So that, that's why I've picked him. Not a case that I, I, I would be going out to actually try and acquire him, but I just think that if he's a player, these are kind of, I'd say to Gibbs, you're kind of looking at players who you could potentially um, move on for a, a profit and then look elsewhere. But the interesting thing when I mentioned love was it was kind of love and stride there was the similarities and i do think with the receiving cores there's similarities because you actually touched on it who made who which raised the list and i think in both situations it's the quarterback i think the players are of an okay talent but i think the quarterback is what's making it and tank dell and nico williams really impressed uh or nico collins sorry but i have to say that unfortunately with dell's injury I, i think dell was somebody who you know, even in redraft, was going to push himself into the first kind of three rounds of, you know, redraft leagues. And I think his value would have continued to ascend in, in Dynasty. I think with the injury, that probably tempers expectation, but it also means that there's probably a discount to be had in terms of buying him at this point because he got injured early enough in the season where he will be back at a point this coming year. But I think in both of those cases, it's... Uh, it's the quarterback making those players and the one thing to watch out for with both the packers and say the texans with those wide receivers they've just touched on is we could see a situation where they either go in the draft to try and get a wide receiver one or 
potentially in free agency. It sounds like the likes of a T Higgins is going to you know end up staying in Cincinnati. But if he was to move on to either of those two teams, it would uh, obviously yeah. detract from them, and it would also also increase the, the value of both those quarterbacks. Yeah, everybody's saying that Mike Mike Evans is going to go back home and play for the Texans, which it's not going to happen. I'm telling you that. But but yeah, the the likes of someone like that would certainly harm the likes of Nico Collins and, and Tank Dell. And, and Nico Collins is the prime example of a guy that was really nowhere in the in the dynasty, you know, ranks until CJ Stroud come along. And now look yeah. at him; he's on he's a fringe dynasty wide receiver one in in some people's rankings and. Yeah, Jaden and Reed a lot is... of a lot of people with players like that are even a read as the season goes on. A lot of people will be like, "It's not going to keep happening." You know, it's not going to be consistent. It's not. He's not going to be able to do that. It's, you know, it's a flash in the pan. There has to be a point where you start to say, like, you know, he's done this this amount of times. It can't just be a coincidence. Um, but the other part is, is you know, when you're like, and you know, we look at running backs sometimes who are just given sheer volume, and, and we see that with wide receivers as well as the, mm-hmm. you know. If, the, if somebody else came in to take away that volume, I think we could still potentially see decreases there. there. Collins, if I was looking at which one I would rather have, I would rather be targeting Dell out of the two of those guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. Um, and Jaden Reed is just, I absolutely love this guy. He's, it, it's the thing that when they use him on sort of a rushing standpoint as well, he's just got, he's so versatile a, a receiver and he's just, it's just like the high school crush that I can't get out of my head where you know you could go with you could go with one of the more lesser good looking girls on you know on Tavian Dontavian Wicks or Romeo Dobbs and they'll do the job, but you can't I can't get read out of my head. So he's the guy that I want. But yeah, you're certainly gonna pay a, a hefty and it's free. interesting on that because I, I can't say that I'm sold on him. I don't know if there's a lot of it that's like still manufactured. Yeah. But I've seen yeah. enough plays that he has made that are wild plays that you have to, again, like I was saying, like as the season went on, even as a Packers fan, you're kind of saying like, well, okay, he did that, but can he do it again? And then he's doing mm-hmm. it again and again. Um, but I still would be a little bit worried if if there's an other wide receiver that comes in or if we ever see Christian Watson stay healthy. Yeah, so... Yeah. The one, the one for me is Dontavian Wicks. I, I'm just, I'm fascinated by him as well. But do you see, if all four of these stay healthy next season, surely one of them, you know, you talk about the two tight ends as well. One of them has got to see a fall in value. Obviously, Watson, with not being, not being fit and healthy this season, has, has been the one that's lost, lost value. But do you see one dropping away, at, or do you really see that these three is fairly equal? This is going to be probably a boring answer that people don't want to know here. It's not going to, but I think this is exactly what Matt LaFleur wants. So when Aaron Rodgers was with the Packers, obviously we had Devontae Adams and Adams was just amazing. But there's like so many, you know, clips out there if you want to watch them of like times the Packers, you know, needed to get a first down and like it's a pass, you know, to a double cover Devontae Adams. And you have, yeah. it might've been like Lazard at the time wide open, you know, what Jordan Love is doing in this offense is what Matt LaFleur wants him to do and what the wide receivers are doing. Like that's why some of these plays are just so wide open is because of what he's doing with the scheme. And I think what they really want, like they had no wide receiver, like it was very spread and that part of that's injuries, but it was very spread out. But I think we're going to see it be like pretty flat for, 
for most of it. Maybe one guy, you know, steps up. But, you know, I could see both tight ends with five touchdowns. I could see the wide receivers mm. all with 800 yards. I don't think they're really looking yeah. to have anyone be a, you know, 1,500-yard receiver with 10 touchdowns. So, yeah. So pretty much what we're saying is go for Craft Jordan best. Love. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Yeah. You can't go wrong. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely love all those wide receiver prospects, including you know the ones you talked about over at the Texas. But moving moving on from wide receiver to, to tight end, obviously you'd love to talk about your your Green Bay tight ends call, but we're going in a different direction. We're going to go with Trey McBride, who's just looked phenomenal since he had you know a bit of an injury scare at the start of the season, but since he's been fit and fighting healthy, he's been amazing, right? It has been. And uh, just on the Packers, funnily enough that I, I didn't even contemplate that I had two Packers players down on that list. <laughs> I generally have always tried to steer away and I nearly knocked down the Packers players a couple of points because I never want to be like, oh, he's just picking all the Packers. And uh, there's years where I regret <laughs> it because I don't draft as many of them. But yeah, that was a surprise to me when you revealed that there was another Packer. But moving on to Trey McBride, I think McBride is just incredible. So Sam Laporte is getting all the plaudits. But Trey McBride is in a worse situation with a worse offense with maybe not say this out too loud, but with a worse quarterback, probably. <laughs> uh, but so in terms of, uh, and uh, I would say a worse play caller. So everything's pretty much a downgrade on what they're doing in Detroit. But Trey McBride is another player who's just athletically incredible. And I was... I'll I'll not say frustrated. I was angry last year with the Zach Ertz situation, and I was angry this season with the Zach Ertz situation. But Zach Ertz, obviously, they figured out when Ertz was injured that yeah, Trey McBride is much much better than Zach Ertz. So he was pretty much the wide receiver one on this team down the stretch. And I have a kind of feeling that no matter what happens with the Cardinals, the Trey McBride is pretty much Travis Kelsey in that offense like he is going to be the guy who gets all the targets every year and I think that you pair the talent the athletic profile and then that he's going to get the volume I I think that I don't know I I think he's probably the should be the tight end to dynasty moving forward here yeah he's he's right up at the top and then you mentioned like Sam Laporte getting all the all the plaudits since week 10, where we really seen Trey McBride get a you know, 80% snap share plus, he's got more yards, he's got more catches, he's got more of almost every measurable that Sam Laporta uh, up And the one, thing, the one thing that he does have the advantage over Laporta is like he doesn't have the same threat for targets. Like mm-hmm. he's not dealing yeah. with Amon Ross St. Brown, Gibbs, you know, even you know, Jameson Williams or that. You know, he's not dealing with all that pressure for targets. No. But uh, yeah. If, if we could get Kyler Murray playing more consistently and we could get this offense working and getting into the red zone a bit more often, we might get those touchdowns pushed up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, no touchdowns are so, like, not not fluky, but they, they fluctuate up and down every year. So you'd expect Trey McBride to get hopefully a couple more this year. And, yeah, I think, I mean, barring Marvin Harrison Jr., which I don't think the Cardinals are in a position to really go and get, I think Trey McBride should be the focal point of this, of this offense, which is really exciting for him moving forward. And he's... Someone like an example of why you should be patient in Dynasty, right? You could see Zach Ertz was there, but you knew McBride was going to get a chance eventually. Patience is gone. People don't have patience. (laughs) This is somebody who turned 24 in November. Like he's... Yeah. Tight ends, we used to like, 
you know, it might be a case that you don't want them nearly as a rookie. You want to wait for that second buy-in window when people start to, because it usually, you know, three or four years to get things going. It's only in the last few years where we've seen, you know, somebody like Laporta come in and hit it off the ground. Uh, yeah. But Trey McBride, if you haven't had patience to, to wait to this point, but, you know, when it gets to times where you're trying to make a deal and somebody says, oh, yeah, I'll make that deal if you, you know, toss in Trey McBride, you know, people will make those deals, yeah. but, you always want to be on the side getting players like that rather than them moving them out. You need to you need to have patience, particularly when it's in tougher situations. But when players have that athletic upside, that doesn't come around very often. Yeah, absolutely agree. I gotta gotta ask you as push comes to shove, you're in a draft, you got you're gonna take a tight end, you got three names on there. You've got Trey McBride, you got Mark Andrews, you got TJ Hawkinson. Who are you picking? We'll go to you first, Colin. Well, I don't think Andrews is in the conversation for me in that selection. It's between the other two. And yeah. I am a big TJ Hawkinson fan, but I think yeah. I'm still going to go with... I think I would go... If you put me on the clock right now, I think I probably still would go Hawkinson. And part of my decision there would be if you finish that draft and you want to move a player, I think Hawkinson immediately mm-hmm. probably has more widespread mm-hmm. value. I think you'll get play- people like myself who want Trey McBride and will pay for him but if you're you know when you're in a 12 team league not every 12 team league is going to have somebody who's wanting a specific player who's only kind of on the ascender has done it for you know if we're saying he's really done it for eight weeks so that, yeah. that's the difference people even with the injury I think that will be Hawkinson yeah Ali what do you think um so yeah it's a tough one because Hawkinson and McBride would be in the top my top tier but I'd probably just go for McBride um just because if he can be that target hog, obviously you've got Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison in in Minnesota, so there's a lot of competition for targets. But absolutely, absolutely love TJ Hawkinson. The the thing for me, this I'm really intrigued this off season and drafts startups going into 2024 is I've got a feeling the landscape is completely different, and you're not having to to reach for them top tight ends. Like like I had someone say that the, their startup they they've just done the crazy people that um sam laporte went at the back of the second round which was absolutely blew my mind that you can be drafted tight end at that um that position but that is the price you're gonna have to pay for these guys but i think i'm i'm happy to wait and pick up a guy later on because i think there's still six or seven eight or nine tight ends that you can really um go to bat with and and will help you just as much as reaching on someone like a mcbride or a laporte because i think their their price is going to be too high when it comes to the, the only pushback i would have on that is somebody like mcbride or laporta this may be the cheapest price they will be for you know the next seven years that's the one downside to that like if, if they if either of them turn out to be travis kelsey like you you cannot compete with that at the tight end position you can obviously put your uh you know draft capital and your resources into other positions and be stronger than other teams there but if other teams likely have more chance to compete so if you're looking at out of all the teams there's probably realistically there's 32 teams but there's not 32 startable tight ends and uh on a weekly basis there probably is seven or eight and i think getting one of those guys even though it'll cost you more i think can be worth it at that particular point in time what i would like to do is outside of startups i would like to try and acquire those players because like i said with having to have somebody in your league who wants to buy a Trey McBride there may be managers in your league who think Trey McBride has done this for eight weeks a bit like we talked about with Mm -hmm. Rashad White and they might be thinking 
yeah, I'll take a second for him. You know, you, you have to always just check mm-hmm. in the price and the temperature in every every league. And that's the unique thing about when it's 12 teams, just takes one person to want to pay the price. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. I'd, the only, like I would err a caution with, I think this is kind of natural for people to go, oh, I'm looking for the next, like, Travis Kelsey. Or I'm looking for the next, like, this player. Like, Travis Kelsey, such a unicorn, was tight end one, what, yeah. six years in a row, and literally hundreds of points away from someone. So I don't think anyone... I'm not trying to get people's expectations that that is what he is, but yeah. you can buy him now at a price that is, let's say, if it's a second-round pick in a startup, but you're looking then into multiple firsts in future years. Uh, yeah. And there's only certain players who could be... Gronk, you know, Tony Gonzalez, you know, the, the all-time greats. Yeah. But when you're looking yeah. at who they could be, you're looking at profiles of players who are exceptional. Uh, and you don't want to be... I would rather go all in on a player like that and miss than <clears throat> go all in on somebody who, like, is doing it through manufactured touches. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And I will just, yeah, sorry, would yeah. just say that there's a lot of people out there that have seen rankings and they've not even got McBride in the same tier as Sam Laporte. So Sam Laporte is incredibly expensive, but mm-hmm. Trey McBride, for for whatever reason, isn't coming as, as expensive at the minute. So I think... And, and right. I, I, I'm glad that you both seem to be in the same ballpark as me because I'm outrageously high on Trey McBride. So I thought when I was you know, starting that off that maybe I would be getting pushback, but it feels like we're all kind of cool. No, the number numbers don't lie with him. So yeah, he's he's had a great great time. Can't wait to see him a fully healthy season there at Arizona. I think he'll be he'll be really really good. But going from the good news into the not Bad so good news, shall we say? This is the dynasty value losers. But we mentioned at the top of the show. This does not mean like bad news all around. This could be a chance to to maybe go in and buy some of these guys because the value has dipped. But Maybe not all of them, and maybe not this first guy you're going to talk about. Uh, you, you, you're starting it off that way. Uh, I have to say <laughs> that uh, I, heading into last season, may have been one of the biggest Sam Howell truthers that was going. Um, yeah. People were asking me why I was so high. I think as the season progressed, I was it looked like I was very much on the correct <laughs> side of that. I think as the season has finished up, it may feel like I'm on the wrong side of that. Where I think it is, is probably in the mid-range. And I think this could still be a player to go and acquire. Whether it's that it doesn't work out for him in Washington or it could still work out for him in Washington. It depends what they obviously do in the draft. But I think, you know, there's a lot of issues as well around the Washington offense and so on this year as well. The one thing that has always been on Sam Howell is he takes far too many sacks. But I think then he became too cautious as the season went on. And that's kind of what we've seen in those games where Jacoby Brissett came in for him, where he wasn't afraid to put the ball down the field. It got to a point where, like, the start of the season, his main strength was that he could just, like, he would take shots, he would be a gunslinger. But as the season went on, he just got more cautious and more cautious, trying to avoid sacks. Um, So if we look at the start of the season, you know, he's in that 20-point range all the time. We get 29-point game twice. We get a 35-point game against the Philadelphia Eagles. We have a great stretch up until week 13. Post their buy in week 13 is 9.3 points, he is negative 1.2 points, he is 8.4 and 9. Like he and he got benched in two of those games. And he also would have been benched for week 18, but Jacoby Brissett got injured. So the end of the season was as big of a train wreck as you could see. But if we just look at, you know, up to week 13, he was a QB1 69% of the time. 
He was a QB2 23% of the time. So there was only one week, which was week three against the Buffalo Bills. He scored 2.3 points, which was also bad. But outside of that, his lowest score was 12. And every score then beyond that 12 points in week seven was 19.2 or higher. So he was very consistent at the start of the season, even though there was flaws with his play. So I'm still there with him. But... Mm-hmm. I'm not as confident as I was entering last season because the problem is, is if they go for a quarterback in this draft and that, you know, he's, he's looking for another team, but he feels to me like if somebody else is drafted, he could be that, you know, by the depth player, because it might be a case that he gets traded somewhere else. That I still think he has the talent in the right situation, but the value has, the value is probably almost the same, but at the midpoint of the season, <laughs> the value was much, much higher. Yeah. You certainly you have to wonder what you could have sold him for at the midpoint of the season. It would have been it'd have been crazy if you could deal him in sort of week nine, week ten when he was he was putting up these games with twenty plus points and he was rushing for, for touchdowns. Um but yeah, I think his his value is gonna bottom out when they draft a, a top rookie quarterback yeah. in in the draft. So I think it's a is a perfect buy candidate for me. I think he's crying out to be given an opportunity on a new team. I think there's plenty of teams out there that have a quarterback room where he could come in and be in a quarterback battle at least for the the quarterback one spot and i like to take the chance on these sort of guys that have such a high ceiling that sam Howell does if he was putting a competent offense behind a competent offensive line you have to think with his rushing that for fantasy at least he could be someone like a justin fields light and He's he's not a bad passer. He just he's probably a better passer than Justin Fields. I would like you know. Yeah. I would say he could be a Josh Allen. Like I know Josh Allen's a, a lot higher up, but that's what it, like mm-hmm. that's what he was as the season was going on. The other part with him just that I, it's, I don't know. I I think that we see some of these teams when they do draft a rookie that they may not be able to come in and do it straight away. But the other side is when we look at, let's say Geno Smith. You know, we've seen Ryan Tannehill have years of kind of fantasy production after they moved. Like, there's a lot of players around the league who did not do what he did in his first season starting, who have then gone on in different places. So that would be kind of my most likely thesis is somewhere else that he gets another opportunity and, you know, we get comeback player of the year, Sam Howell. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And you just see... Fantasy managers, as soon as a quarterback loses his job, they just they want to get rid of that guy. So their their value bottoms out, and there's such a good opportunity to pick that player up for dirt cheap or as part of a package as a throw in. So definitely interested. Yeah, absolutely love the the pick here of Sam Howell. He's he's gonna go somewhere, right? You'd think after the draft, the commanders are they might trade up to get Caleb Williams, but if they're not, they're going to take Drake May. They're going to take Jaden Daniels. I mean, Eric Bianami and Jaden Daniels, that's that's exciting. I would love to see that for sure. But Sam Howell, you would think, eventually goes somewhere. There's enough teams crying out for quarterbacks that he could have a shot to be in that, yeah, sort of preseason battle to try and win a role. He beat Jacoby Brissett, which is, I mean, people people bashing Jacoby Brissett. He's a good quarterback. He could end up starting next year as well. So Sam Howell obviously has some talent in there, but it's a long old road to get back to being a starting quarterback. So he's he is talented enough, but whether he can get there is is another story. And moving on to someone again who we know is talented. He has been talented. He's been an absolute beast for years. But Colm, I've got to ask you: Is the king dead? And do we long live Prince Tajay now? I don't think the king's dead, but I think the situation has changed a lot. And part of that is he's 
unlikely to be with the Titans. And I think it's obviously a massive arrow up for for Spears. But when we look through this season, he did again outperform what people's expectations were. Yeah. You know, lots of 20 point plus games. There was obviously games like, you know, looking through it here, it has a wide range of outcomes on the season. 53% of the time as a running back one, but then 35% of the time as a running back three or worse. And, you know, there's two point games, three point games, four point games, five point games. You know, there's a lot of bad games in there, but there's a lot, a lot of still, you know, 20 to 25 point games from him this season. So I think not that the, you know, that he had a bad year, but what I mean is, you know, the, if you didn't move Derrick Henry before this season, it's going to be very hard to get any of that value back because it's kind of a sunken cost as he ages, yeah. changes teams, lots of things like that. Um, the other thing is like it, if a team pays them, they're probably going to give them the same work as the Titans would have given them. But it's hard to see teams that are, you know, stuck to the running game as much as Rabel's Titans did mm-hmm. to continue. Like it was built around him, it was built for him, that offense. The other player I want to mention who just completely cratered and fell off a cliff in the second half of the season was Austin Eckler. He, he, like, in terms of, I think Derrick Henry is a better, if you're looking for your, own nfl team to get one of these running backs you know i think derrick henry's the better running back but we are so used to what austin eckler was but it got to the point where he was almost you know benched for the the chargers as well so those two veterans and it's very easy every year to pick a veteran running back who's losing value but that's unfortunately part of the game and that's why people may be thinking he mentioned rashad white you know in his age but it's a case that once you start to go you know 26 27 you you want to get out of that because those are the players that just drop off like austin eckler for example like comes from somebody who people were readily wanting to acquire last year to this year you'll be struggling to move him off your dynasty roster yeah yeah i think with with players like henry and, and eckler you're almost at a point now where you almost just gotta ride them out because what you're going to get in return is going to be so minimal and they've got more chances of you know, being this year's, like, if you look at Ezekiel Elliott from this year, last yep. five weeks of the season, he was running back mm-hmm. 11 overall. And and I'm not going to sit here and say that Derek Henry and Austin Eckler don't have a chance to do something similar, but they have to go somewhere where they're going to get a chance to do that. Elliott had that chance to do that this year after a couple of injuries around in that running back room. Derek Henry, I kind of wonder, if anyone watches boxing, you know, it's the heavyweights in boxing kind of, retire a lot leader they can fight a lot longer and a lot older i wonder if because derrick henry is such a heavyweight and so big that he's adapting his game just to rely on his power more than his speed and power kind of carries a little bit more as you get older does he have he like, definitely he definitely could be uh he can definitely be a goal line back if that's what you're asking. <laughs> right. But, uh, he can also throw touchdowns down at the goal line, which is an advantage that he has. But uh, I do think that you use the phrase, you know, Travis Kelsey, he's a unicorn. Derek Henry, yeah. there's not many guys of his size that move the way he does. And I'm sure yeah. you've all seen videos at some point of his off-season training kind of <laughs> regimen. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there's not many people who can do the stuff that Derek Henry does. Actually, on that, one of his touchdowns this year, I believe, was the one where he extended over the goal line and he's almost in like a plank position, you know. Yeah. yeah. I, I think if you know, most people do that, they just like their whole abdomen just like separates and explodes. But, you know, <laughs> Derek Henry's doing it with, with grown men holding on to him. So, yeah. Yeah. 
No, if you own Derek Henry as well, you're thinking his value is starting to need to sell. Do you, under no circumstances do you sell right now? You wait until he signs for you. Imagine Derek yeah. Henry signs for the Ravens. What's that going to do to his value? Right, it's going yeah. to spike way up. Then that's when you sell if you want to sell. So not not the time to be selling. Well, if Eckler, you know, there's a lot of moving pieces that could happen with some of these other veterans, but he could end up in a pretty nice spot and a you know. Yeah. So the other thing with Derrick Henry, if they would just give him those screen passes, you know, two or three times a game, I just, nobody can stop him once he gets out in the space. That's what you want to see, yeah, but never absolutely. has happened. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't doesn't happen too often, sadly, but maybe he had his new team, who knows? And moving on from, from Derrick Henry to, I mean, I'm I'm surprised this guy's name is on this list, but the back half of the season, value's been dipping and dipping and dipping. It's Stephon Diggs of the Buffalo Bills. Call him, what do you think about him? I think that, you know, Diggs, when he came into the league, was one of my favorite stories, how he progressed with the the Vikings, and then he goes to the Bills and, you know, continues to, you know, he basically, you know, we talk about quarterbacks who's earlier, who's elevating the wide receiver. I, I think that Diggs elevated um, Josh Allen in those early seasons when he was there. Mm-hmm. But the, mm-hmm. the thing is now, he is now, you know, he's 30 years old. Once you start to get into that age range, you have to be very, very cautious of what you have as a, NFL asset for NFL teams are for yourself as a dynasty manager and you mentioned it you know over the back half of the season so he starts off the season and he's you know 26 points 13 19 but 36 26 20 oh and then he and he has 22.6 game in, in week nine but post week nine he is 6.4 6.7 he has a 19 point game six points eight points seven points seven points 15 points so you know those weeks were Post week 10, he's basically a wide receiver three or worse the rest of the way. And you pair that with the age and you pair that with, you know, what the asset may be worth. The tricky part is, is I think people may think that that is the case and you may not be able to sell them. But again, depending on your league, you want to be trying to get somebody who believes Stefan Diggs is still what Stefan Diggs is. We It hasn't been to the same extent, but we have seen you know, certain points of the season where Devontae Adams hasn't performed either. And now I think that's more on the quarterback situation as well and the, the, the play call. But again, once you go, like once players start to go over 27, I'm very reluctant to have them on my roster. And the hardest part you mentioned, like earlier in the show, what if you moved Sam Howell in the middle of the season? And it's in the middle of the season to move a starting quarterback, but you may have been in a situation that he was your QB3 and you could have moved him. But when you get players who are, at their peak value that is the time to sell them you know the time to sell travis kelsey is not well maybe it is today because uh, he's after <laughs> two massive games but prior to two weeks ago it felt like travis kelsey had really started to decline and that's not going you know that he's no good that's going that he is <clears throat> a tight end the tight end one to maybe now he is in the second tier and um, so that's the kind of things to watch out for I, i'm always looking and it's the hardest thing to do but to move players at their peak value so even as hard as it might be, like we're starting to get into a period of like the likes of a Justin Jefferson, or we talked about TJ Hawkinson earlier. They're all players that are looking to be moved. And that's why I mentioned with the Mark Andrews that he's not really in the conversation for me at that point of rookie drafts is taking a player there where you're probably not going to move him within the first year. And then you're already starting to get into the decline in value phase. You want to be getting those players who are going to continue to ascent in value. You get, you know two three years you shoot them and then you can still move them and continue to build the strength of your team the other part of that that people don't think about is 
it decreases the strength of the other team if you can move a team a player in their prime who then declines it's hard to time that but they're also getting weaker and you're getting stronger at the same time so there's a couple of things and that's very hard but you look at nfl teams all the time and people say oh that was a really smart decision like jordan love seems like a really smart decision now at the time it looked like a really (laughs) terrible decision you know hindsight sometimes a year or two down the line it really really all changes around so that's why digs is on the list for me yeah it's a massive drop off that i certainly didn't see i've got a lot of exposure to stefan Diggs in in dynasty i've paired him with stacked him with josh allen which has really helped me the last two or three years but this year has been just exceptionally bad the second half of the season and it's, I'm just really interested to see what happens this off season. I think they're going to have to figure it out and go again next season. I don't think he's going to be leaving Buffalo, but um, this <laughs> points per game. So, uh, well, not points per game, but from week 11 to week 17, so your championship uh, running and the playoffs, he scored the same amount of points as Quentin Johnson, which is <laughs> a remarkable, remarkable stat that shows how far he he fell off. But yeah, really interested to see what happens come next season. And there's always just people that um, just over adjust to what Stefan Diggs should be. So there is going to be a window to buy Stefan Diggs. I'm Here's sure. one for you to just throw out that'll emphasize my thought process a bit more. So Stefan Diggs fell off a little bit at the end of the season. So he would be on my list even if he continued that early season stretch. Tyreek Hill. Mm. Tread Tyreek Hill. Mm. 29. It's not. He's it's last year now. as well. Yeah, but you know, you you have to be looking two years down the line. You know, it's not yeah. redraft. You want to win this year, but it's not redraft. You need to like that's what happens is if you hold a team with say AJ Brown on it, uh, Tyree Kill and Stefan Diggs, and it looks amazing. Maybe at the start of last season, now you're starting to question your team as you know, and, and Hill and Brown are both still top ten wide receivers in terms of assets. But mm-hmm. if you have another season like Brian has, and if anything happens, he'll, let's say, you know, like if a player has an injury and they're age yeah. 25 season, you're like, well, they're going to come back. Mm-hmm. But if you have an injury at, you know, age 20.5 or 29.5 or age 30, you're kind of like the, the window's shut. Uh, you know, so it's very hard to move on from somebody like that, but these are the times to do it. Yeah, the most most concerning thing, last thing on Stefan Diggs, most concerning thing for it is if you look at, that back half of the season, whenever the Bills stop using him, you know that directly correlates with the Bills starting to win football games. That is that is bad news for Stefan Diggs. The less is that the correlation? One at one, it could be. It, it it works out right. They didn't use him, and then they started to win. But that that's worrying. That's worrying if you're a Stefan Diggs owner for me, right? I don't think it was purely Diggs' fault, but uh... no. I think the big part is that you know they went very conservative in terms of they tried to stop Josh Allen turning the ball over, and a lot of the success they had was like down the field to Stephon Diggs outside of the turnover. So <laughs> it also limited them a bit. But um, I still think Diggs is good, but I, I think that it's a sell window at this point in time. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And on to our our last sell of the of the day, or last sorry value dip of the day. You go into the tight end position. Who are you going with, Colin? Is this a part where you, there's no value left? Can we say that the value is completely gone? <laughs> yeah, the graph is yep, gold yeah. enough. The, this one is uh, Darren Waller, and uh, obviously Darren Waller was a really, you know, it was a really good story through hard knocks. You know, they talked about his situation with 
substance abuse and you know how his career has moved since then is obviously fantastic but also with that is it kind of might make people forget that he has been around a long time he just hasn't been playing a long time so he's 31 now tight ends can play a little bit longer but it's very concerning as to how the situation went for him in, in new york this season and he's just not a player i feel is is rosterable at this point in time um mainly because i don't know what the giants are going to be like this year either but i, I feel like i i don't want to put anything on a, a player but it feels like waller you know reached the success that like he probably never thought he would have and he's got his contracts and he's kind of set himself up in a much better way for life and it feels like not to the same extent as kenny galladay but it feels a little bit like that to me where the giants are never going to get the return on that investment either and even if he has a relatively good season um I don't think that he's worth rostering on your your dynasty teams. Yeah, I'm I'm right with you there. Like he's not had a good season. Obviously, he had a lot of injuries as well. But even when he was there, he's you know not really seeing many more targets or not really outproducing a guy like Daniel Bellinger there. Like he's not outshining him where he really, really should be a veteran like Darren Waller. I think yeah, you're right. This is the end. I don't know what his contract situation is like in New York. I don't know if they're going to try and get away from it. I imagine he's not cheap. I don't know. I don't know what's going to be yeah. going on with him, but he's not someone for your team, really. He's he's due at fourteen million this yeah. year. It's not good. <laughs> they can cut him with seven million dead money and save six and a half million or nearly six point seven million. So, yeah, if if they feel like there's nothing left with Darren Waller, then this is your very last chance to get out on him. Um, I would suggest. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And moving on to our last second, uh, Colin, this is the fantasy wild card section. This is where you get to choose your fantasy wild card player for the 2024 season. This is someone who you think their dynasty value will increase the most from where it is now to the end of the season. So who you got for us? And I think, I don't know if I script around the rules. I think I was told at the start, no no players you know that are still in the playoffs well this player is still in the playoffs he's going to the super bowl so <laughs> i don't know if i've skirted around some rules or not but uh no. rashi rice we have looked since tyreek hill left the chiefs for a wide receiver one i actually think he may end up being better than tyreek hill for the kansas city chiefs because i think there's more <laughs> roundedness in terms of like the overall game so we have probably doesn't he doesn't have the same deep threat but there's a, a lot, you know, I think PPR-wise, you're going to get a lot of points out of him. And as a rookie, I think he's really impressed, particularly as he's come on down the stretch. You know, there was usual weeks at the start, but his wide receiver three numbers. But since week 12, we've got three games of 20-plus points. And then into the yeah. playoffs, we've seen some nice performances. And what we have seen throughout the season is the gap between, you know, he was kind of paired with, you know, the Sky Moors and the Kadarius mm-hmm. Tonys at the start of the season. Who is going to get the work? Well, Mm -hmm. that is not a question anymore. They don't even want the other guys active on game days anymore. Uh, And now, so I think that he has done enough to start to forge himself into the wide receiver one moving forward for Patrick Mahomes and pair that with potentially Travis Kelsey, maybe dipping a little bit. Uh, You know, I think that the upside is astronomical. So I think that he's going to be expensive to get now, but I think again, it's like I think this is the cheapest price to buy him for the next eight years. So I, I think that there's just a lot to be excited about. Um, if if he gets into that range where he's getting ten targets every game, I think 
he's gonna be a wide receiver one in 2022 or 2022 2024 <laughs> yeah i think to be honest this is uh this is a brilliant pick i mean you can't you can't go wrong picking with uh patrick mahomes and someone that i was i was also wrong about i was wrong about jordan love earlier probably wrong about rashi rice as well because he was someone that didn't really draft very heavily in my rookie drafts i got a couple of shares of him but you just look at exactly what he'd done especially the second half of the season was was just incredible out uh, performed exactly what anything i expected him to do and just i, 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 I don't know i'm just going to ask you this i know obviously there's the draft profile and things like that but was any of that because i kind of had this at times with rice like i was beyond i didn't have the same thing we have seen you know since uh hell has left there has been the players come in like and i was big on sky Moore as well and i've kind of just been like one of these guys might end up being the, the actual real deal but there's been a lot of players that have kind of shuffled in and shuffled out you know we had juju yeah. smith schuster as a free agent who I, I wasn't on juju as a player but you've him you've mvs coming over then who I, i'd seen as a packers uh fan so i wasn't on mvs but there's <laughs> you know there there's a lot of players who have maybe burned people before who they thought oh this is patrick mahomes gay but i think this is truly patrick mahomes gay now moving forward was there any of that for you that it's just been a circle of rubbish wide receivers yeah. well a circle as well of of pat patrick mahomes guys where yeah. it's come out in the draft yeah. it's like go get clyde we oh, draft yeah. clyde edwards yeah. alert rubbish <laughs> go get sky Moore. he's my guy he's rubbish and then this was another instance where it's all over the papers saying Patrick Mahomes says, go get Rasheed Rice. And I'm like, here we go again. Can we stop getting Patrick to scout people and just let him throw the ball, please? But they're like, yeah, it worked out really well. Got to love what Rasheed Rice is, is doing over at Kansas City. And you're right, those Travis Kelsey targets, they're coming because he's not getting any younger. So I think the Chiefs will probably end up drafting or getting another free agent wide receiver to be more of that deep threat. But I love Rasheed Rice. I love his yak ability. That is outstanding, one of the best in the league. And Andy Reid's system notoriously hard to learn. Especially and and I think that's what's, caught, yeah. that's what's caught a few of these rookies out is, you know, getting developed into the system. And that's why yeah. even when he was making yeah. some flashes early in the season, you know, I think even from the beat reporters and the fans of Kansas City, not just fantasy football players, but people were getting frustrated as to why he's not out there. And, and mm -hmm. part of that was, you know, he just needs time to get everything down. He was on limited routes. The other part of it, though, that is a bit weird with Rice, and hopefully this is you know, next season. There's times where they're in like critical third down situations, even at the end of the season, and he's not out there. But I, you know, I think maybe that's just, you know, as he develops, that'll come in as well. You want him to be out there on, you know, 95% of the, the snaps. Yeah. But yeah, the other thing that is probably keeping his value down a tiny bit, he's had a couple of touchdowns over the last couple of weeks called back for, you know, holding calls or, you know, blocking penalties. <laughs> like, like week, even, yeah. even, even this past week, he had another one yeah. against the Ravens, which was just a magnificent play that, you know, a block on, you know, really didn't interfere, but by the rules as a penalty, but things like that, people aren't then seeing that highlight circulate over and over and over on you know, Twitter or X or whatever we're calling it. But, uh, they're things that if you're watching games and you're seeing those plays that then aren't being counted, you can you know, factor that into your evaluation as well. So, yeah. Yeah, but the rest still love the Ravens apparently. <laughs> <laughs> can I just ask a, a dynasty question? Because I'm seeing I'm seeing a ranking here where you've got Rashi Rice, Zay Flowers, and Jordan Addison ranked back to back to back. And uh, Rashi Ooh. Rice is the, the bottom of the, the three on this ranking. So would, would he be above any of these two guys for you? 
I think Rice is the that was Flowers and Addison. Yeah. Oh, right. Rice for me is in the tier, and then the other two are in the tier together. I think Flowers is probably showing. Um, I would actually split them out. It's it's Flowers and number two. I think he's showing mm-hmm. enough over the course of the season. He was somebody who at the start I really liked, but I was concerned by the targets that he was getting. Obviously, a lot of work around the line of scrimmage. We have started to see him now get some targets downfield. And uh, Tom Strachan, uh, who people may know from the UK scene, he's obviously a big Ravens fan. But, you know, there was a lot of things that he was sharing over the course of the season where, you know, Zay Flowers is wide open on some of these downfield passes, but yeah. it's not. Be- but now we're starting to see that happen. And, uh, yeah, so adding that into his game, I think he is a similar upside potential to rice like we talked about with addison he is a little bit more crowded with hawkinson and jefferson and the other part of that is he really had a strong strong start to the season and it did Mm -hmm. tail off a little bit that that can happen with rookies as well so you know they're three young wide receivers to be very excited about moving forward but i I would much rather the other two and out of the three i think the upside just for the way the offense is structured is for for rice but uh, flowers is going to be exceptionally high because he's just going to get a volume of, of targets as well yeah yeah i absolutely love that pick and would love it if anyone picked those other two receivers for their wild card later in the year but Colin, that brings us to to the end of the show just before we go you just want to remind everybody listening where can they find your work online uh, well, all the work is basically in podcast form, but you can find it all on uh, Rotoviz Overtime is my stuff. We have a podcast network, Rotoviz Radio. You can check out all the stuff over there. And if you want to find me, you can find me on Twitter, at Overtime Ireland, uh, where you can, I don't know. Twitter, uh, you called it X at the start. I've not got into the X thing yet, but, you know. <laughs> it's taken a while, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, yeah, the podcast, usually three shows a week. I do a podcast with Sean Siegel. Um, we talk a lot about various different, so a lot of dynasty focus, but coming up to the draft will be draft related uh, with a dynasty slant. But everything we talk about, we kind of cover a lot of baseball, redraft and dynasty. So we kind of have you covered for everything. And most of the time, if people are looking for just dynasty, the tricky part is it's usually mixed through each other throughout the course of a show. But uh, check those out, I'd, I'd appreciate it. And Obviously, thanks, guys, for having me on. It was a, a lot of fun talking through some fun players to, to discuss, even on the, the downside. Yeah, absolutely. Our pleasure, Colin. Thank you so much. And thank you to everybody for, for listening. And again, if you've not already, make sure you go over to, to Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it. It doesn't really matter. But what does matter is you hit that subscribe button at the Fantasy Wildcard. Of course, find us at Wildcard Dynasty as well. Hey, shout out, by the way, to the Wildcard Devi guys who dropped their first podcast this comic list last week so shout out to to jordan and to phil and to jack who did an absolutely awesome job make sure you're checking that out it was a really great watch but from me from ali from column thank you for listening we'll see you next time bye when you have the wild card you have the power to change the game <laughs>